Can I tell you a secret? It wasn't until I was in middle school that I was aware of mixed marriages, which, by the way, in my community, meant someone marrying not another Jewish person. Growing up in my shtetl of first-generation immigrants, we married amongst our mother tongue, which was pretty much the same as our religion. Kabish, Lamurit, entiendes? Versteist? By the time I was in high school, mixed marriage had morphed into intermarriage, and by my 20s, it was rebranded as interfaith. So, by my 30s, my generation had mostly checked out of anything with interfaith in the literature because we either had one, gave up one, struggled with one, or didn't need one, thank you very much. But, is interfaith about more than just religion? Is it code for something we aren't quite clear on in the context of community? And that is what we are going to tackle today. Hi, I'm Suze, here with your weekly dose of culture, values, and identity, and where we tackle those topics others may consider off-limits. A little about me, I'm a busy Gen X mom who, quite frankly, wanted to grow up like the Brady Bunch, but how could I being raised in the shadow of Schindler's List? So this means I've spent a lifetime navigating these mixed messages we get hit with daily. You know those conversations where we wonder if it's safe to speak our minds. Can we share our experiences, voice our fears and concerns, or should we just keep our mouths shut? Well, too bad. I need to know. But I'm no expert, so I'm going to schmooze the experts and get their thoughts. Why? So when we engage with our kids, colleagues, or the countless committees we interact with, we can do it with competence, kindness, confidence, and maybe a bit of humor. If this sounds like your cup of coffee, welcome to Schmooze with Suze. In 2019, I attended a dinner honoring then-JCA Executive Director Myron Flagler. It was a meal I didn't have to cook, and kids I didn't have to watch, and that too would have been enough. Dayenu. I was invited by Rabbi Fish. The event was sponsored by One Jacks, and somewhere in the literature on the table, I saw interfaith. So I thought it was the three major religions. However, there I sit, and the processional begins. And you know how the joke starts, a rabbi, a priest, and a pastor all walk into a dot, dot, dot? But in this version, there was also a guru in robes, chief in full headdress, a lama, an imam, and more. It was something I had never seen before. It had representation from cultural and faith organizations, both familiar and even new to me. So that's how I learned about One Jacks. What I didn't know was that it began in 1970 as the local office of the National Conference of Christians and Jews. It later changed its name to the National Conference of Community and Justice to reflect a broader mission and constituency. And in 2005, with a rising sense that the national organization's focus was not specific enough to local needs, they incorporated and rebranded. In a town the locals call Jacks, the name One Jacks represents the organization's goal to promote a particularly local sense of unity. My guest today is the person at the helm of a team that works to build a dream that works. One Jacks Executive Director, Kyle Reese. Hi, Kyle. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on to Schmooze with Suze. Tell me about your journey to One Jacks. 
So uh, my family and I, we moved to Jacksonville in 2006, and I became a senior pastor at Hendricks Avenue Baptist Church. Mm. And uh, obviously that is a congregation, if anyone knows them, that is very active in the community and very active in multi-faith, interfaith work. Yes. Uh, so uh, it wasn't, it was a wonderful opportunity, not so much that uh, I pushed the congregation in some ways and they pushed me. And, and so I just developed all of these wonderful relationships. So somewhere around 2009, 2010, I was asked to go on the board of One Jacks. And so I was a board member, uh, served as chair uh, for a couple of years, uh, was on the board when we moved to UNF. And so uh, as I ended my tenure at HAB, began to think about, okay, what's next? And just really loved the Jacksonville community and really loved the work that One Jacks does. And so uh, Nancy Bronner was then our then executive director, and she uh, was retiring, and so I came on board and uh, have been a, a part of the staff since 2020. That's unbelievable. So I'm always a big proponent of people who move their way up from the background to the forefront because that's the best way to get a grassroots understanding of how any agency works. At the top of the show, I teed up a little bit about the history of One Jacks, but bring us up to speed on today's mission and how One Jacks navigates what interfaith means today in Jacksonville. Great. That's a great question. So uh, our uh, mission statement, the boilerplate uh, statement is that we're an interfaith organization dedicated to achieving civility and respect and understanding between all people. Uh, so we do that from an interfaith perspective, uh, and yet we are uh, a, an organization that understands that the fastest growing segment of our population population is those who have no religious affiliation. So we, we talk about interfaith, but we talk about different worldviews. Our work is to bring people together uh, because at the end of the day, no matter our differences, we all share this space called Jacksonville, mm. and everyone's voice matters uh, in the way that we want this community uh, to, to grow. Interfaith is a big term that doesn't connote anything about religious practice. In fact, interfaith in the context of community simply means what you said. Some come from one faith, tradition, or background, and some come from another. Tell me about what that looks like culturally as it reflects the landscape of Jacksonville currently. Well, uh, again, I think it is uh, it, it the... It, culturally, it means that uh, we do we bring a lot of people together around um, a, a certain act of service, a certain problem, a certain opportunity. So um, you you really find the commonality in acts of service, uh, and if you can serve together, uh, then and one of the things that our organization has done in the the fifty three years that we've existed uh, is we not only serve together, but every uh, year the Thursday prior to Thanksgiving we do the interfaith gratitude service. Mm. So we worship together, and that's a that's a different level of interfaith cooperation that is not evident in a lot of communities, and so we're really proud of that. But it begins with service and it begins with opportunities for people to really make a difference in the community. I love it. So in the Jewish world that I grew up in, it's the concept of tikkun olam, repairing the world. Right. And as we strive to work together as a unified entity, we're always looking to learn from each other and the different cultures. Okay. So we have different people who worship differently right. and culturally are learning to understand each other. 
Considering we all see things through our personal lenses, how do you speak one message to people who speak different languages? Well, I think uh, one thing is you look at the core commitments to the uh, to all the enduring religions, and one thing that you find throughout all of the enduring religions is the concept that, at least in the Christian tradition, is called the golden rule. Treat others like you want to be mm. treated. Uh, and so that's the basis, not just for faith commitments, but it's the basis for the way a community can work. So, so we begin there. But, but I think also when you're doing interfaith work, you can't be afraid to name that there are significant differences, and that's okay. Uh, and so at you 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 name those, you own your own faith tradition. One of the things that I think is a misunderstanding in interfaith work is that the end goal is that we just lose all of our boundaries and all of our particularities. That's not it at all. Mm. We stay who we are. We celebrate who we are. We find that we have a lot in common. We have differences, and yet we still can accomplish great things together. So interfaith and interculture is not a secret word for intermarriage. It's not. No, not at all. Okay, so how to consider this, before we can speak and relate to each other, like you said, we're coming together at the table, this you know, interfaith celebration. I've come to discover over the years, and I speak six languages, sometimes in translation, it's the nuance, mm-hmm. right? We think we're using the same words, but what the nuance in a close and sometimes closed community will, pardon the cliche, you're preaching to the choir. The right. people who are showing up to your mm-hmm. events are the people who already believe and understand your overarching mission. It stands to reason that people who share your same values should be at the table as well. Could there be something in the nuance that's getting lost in translation? Well, I think uh, I think if you do this work, you always have to know that the only ones who do not make a mistake are those who aren't trying. So if you're getting people together from different worldviews, different faith traditions, there are going to be hiccups. There are going to be those who gloss over the nuance of a statement or a belief system. And you have to be committed to one another enough to say, hey, uh, you really missed this, and let me tell you why it's important to me. And you have to have the respect among people that you can listen and say, I really did miss that. I'm sorry, um, but I'm learning and I'm growing and let's grow together. So we're coming into these conversations with open minds, open hearts, open ears right. with the idea that perhaps we won't understand each other at first. Right, right. But practice makes permanent. It does indeed. And so I have a great story. Um, when I was pastor at Hendricks Avenue Baptist, uh, we, uh, Rabbi Joshua Leaf and I, started a pulpit exchange between mm. our two congregations. And uh, a couple of years had passed, and so we would get together and we would um, decide when we were going to, to have the exchange. And I can't remember what the particular date was, but he said, you know, what about the weekend of April 14th? And I said, uh, Josh, that's Easter. That, that, that's kind of a big deal for us. So we probably don't need to do the exchange that week. But it's funny, but I mean, I did that tenfold 
to him when I would make suggestions. It's like, no, you really need to understand the nuance of our faith tradition and our life together of why that's not a good idea. That's such an excellent point, right? And it was in the education that makes this tradition of a pulpit swap something that takes place currently up until today. Today's Hendricks Avenue Baptist they, they just did a pulpit they swap did. with the temple mm-hmm. as well, correct? They did. Okay, so interfaith might have a different connotation to people from different communities. And we're trying to discover where the disconnect is. How can we enter into those communities in an effort to collaborate with each other? Are we bringing Mohammed to the mountain or the mountain to Mohammed? Right. Right. I, I, th- I think, again, uh, I'll, I say um, acts of service are the, are the main thing. Is there a problem uh, that we can tackle together? Mm. Uh, I also think, and this is a growing edge for all organizations that call themselves interfaith, we have to think about that large population that claim no faith tradition. Uh, we are, as an organization, uh, open and in need of every voice that we can get, whether there is a faith tradition or not. We come at it from an interfaith lens, uh, but I would argue that authentic faith, no matter what the tradition, uh, amplifies the voices of people, the marginalized, those who have not been heard, uh, and, and, and invites all voices to come and contribute. But it's 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 tricky it's a tricky line to walk sometimes and and so there are those that sometimes push back and say why don't you remove interfaith from your mission statement and uh, we have chosen not to do that because it is such an integral part of who we are that's so interesting it didn't occur to me to remove interfaith from anything but i was wondering about the addition of intercultural Mm -hmm. because that's something that when i went and i did the research right and you do the first webster dictionary definition which is where we like to start, right. right? We were all trained in elementary school, how we write an essay. The first thing you do is you define. So we defined interfaith. And the first one said religion. Correct. Mm-hmm. It was religion. But when you looked at it in the context of community, religion is not even the third thing. There's culture, there's tradition, there's values. Mm-hmm. And those don't necessarily come from a higher power they're from right here on earth Mm -hmm. let's go back to our acts of service right so we're collaborating as a community and we're going to take the religion and the faith out of it which is very hard for me because i feel like i walk in my faith and it's part of my identity right i ask myself in every circumstance when i'm presented with an opportunity these three questions one Will it please God? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't please God, it doesn't even come to the table. Is it good for my family? If it's not good for my family, I don't have to continue further either. Will it make me happy? So in the context of our community, what would be your directions, your questions that one should ask themselves? How can I engage with one Jacks? Well, I think there are are many ways. Uh, get to know us. Get to know the work that we do. Uh the interfaith space is just one of many things that we do. We uh, will be hosting uh, community suppers, mm. uh, which is a program we've done uh, for some time. Of course, the pandemic sort of changed that, uh, but we'll be having a community supper uh, toward the end of March. And our uh, conversation is going to be uh, really what kind of community do we want to be? 
uh, borrowing from John Meacham's work, The Soul of the Nation, mm. we're going to be talking about the question, what is the soul of Jacksonville? What do we really want to be as a community? So there are many, and, and we're better when different voices are around those tables. So there are many opportunities. Uh, we do a lot of work uh, with students in schools and in youth organizations. So there are many ways to learn about what we do and get plugged in. That's so interesting. I love that. I love anything that involves food. Yes. Right? Because you bring food to the table. It enhances the cultural understanding. Um, All your senses sort of get engaged in a way that opens you up, both literally and figuratively, Mm -hmm. to understanding. Um, The other thing that I find fascinating is your location on a college campus. Mm -hmm. So we talk about the people with an absence of faith. Right. And in... Literature that I have read recently, they're discussing a correlation between a decline in faith and an increase in mental health mm-hmm. concerns and conditions, right. depression, anxiety. So your presence on campus, how do you feel being in that space? What do the students react when they approach you or do they approach you well we uh, they would approach more our partners on campus the interfaith center uh and organizations like that in uh all areas of diversity equity and inclusion uh which are not very popular terms in our state right now uh but that's the work Mm. that's the work that we do um you know i i think it's it's just so different as i look at my uh, uh, kids who are now young adults. Um, these kids are never, or very seldom, are they unplugged. Um, if I had uh, a difficult relationship in growing up in high school, I knew that typically I would have to deal through that, deal with that relationship from eight to three thirty, and then I would get a break until mm. the next day. Uh, these kids, all of the challenges are just before them all the time. Um, so our primary role with students is just to remind them that there are adults in this world who want to walk beside them, who remind them that they're not alone uh, and that who care about them and 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 who want to tell these students, we have a place for you to lead us here in Jacksonville. Stay with us, make us better, and let's see what we can make of this city. Oh, that's fantastic. I recently had a uh, speaking and difficult conversation facilitator, Erin O'Malley, on, and she said something like what you talked about. It's walking beside, because we can't really ask the students of today to walk in our shoes. They haven't experienced these challenges, and they're certainly not engaging in all of these things that were being hit with on campuses Mm -hmm. as adults they're young adults in some cases the prefrontal cortex it doesn't get fully developed till 25 right so we're asking them to deal with very important issues and so you're the adult on campus that's able to say here we are we're a place that you can come to as a home base with questions Mm -hmm. we hear with open arms and most importantly we're not going to dismiss you as inferior Join us, right. and you can be part of where we go. Yeah, one of the things that we've done that has been so uh, 
just wonderful is a couple of years ago, we added two positions on our board. And so the student government president and vice president are actually members of the One Jacks board. And that has just been a fascinating conversation, a, a different way uh, in many ways of seeing the world uh, and just these remarkable young adults that come and bring this uh, great vision uh, that we need to hear. Right. It's this it's 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 an effusive enthusiasm and mm-hmm. optimism that they see this world without having the experience of what we maybe have already, you know, overcome. Right. Exactly. That's incredible. Exactly. And do you find that when they come to your board, um, they're they're open minded? Do they want to change everything right away? Um, it, it depends on the personality. Uh, we have had our first uh, board member was uh, a young man, incredibly bright, uh, committed to the city. He's still here in Jacksonville, and he was not shy about sharing his thoughts, whether they were applauded in the room or whether they were, you know, you could tell that they created a sense of, of discomfort. Uh, and so he was great. Uh, we had a student body president. She came. She was very, very interested in a um, agenda on campus, what she wanted to accomplish for the students. And so hers was more of a, hey, walk along beside me mm. and help me get this accomplished. So it just depends on the personality. Wonderful. So it sounds to me like you're working towards a greater Jacksonville and it's intergenerational, which is really where our strength and collaboration comes from. We are. And and one of the strengths that we bring to the university is the fact that we start working with students in middle school. So uh, it's not just that we work with UNF students, but one of the, the strengths that we bring, I think, is that we bring students to UNF and uh, hopefully we can keep the, the best and brightest here in Jacksonville, let them go to UNF and then stay and make our city better. So. That's the hope. That's the hope. Can you share any upcoming events and the best ways to connect with One Jacks? Yes. Go to our website, onejacks.org. Uh, we have uh, several events uh, coming up. March 23rd will be the community suppers uh, that I talked about. Mm-hmm. We'll be having a release, a press release on those this week, as a matter of fact. Uh, and then on May 4th, our uh, annual human humanitarian mm. awards will be at the jacksonville center for the performing arts so we're going to uh-huh. honor some wonderful people and have a great night yep we're very excited to attend that was where i first became introduced to your amazing organization i've been following you ever since kyle reese thank you so much i would love to continue this conversation with you because we all share the same goals of united jacksonville well thank you i'm honored to be here It's time for our honorable mention. Mensch is the Yiddish word for a person of integrity and honor with a sense of what is right and responsible. This week's honorable Mensch is Jacksonville business leader and community optimist. And I use optimist as a verb in this case, David Miller. Hillel the Younger in Ethics of Our Fathers states, This translates as, in a place where there are no men, endeavor to be a man. When we dig deeper into the text, we find commentators who interpret that it is referring to the action of someone who stands up to fill the role of community caregiver. Other sources infer that it is the broader focus on one who garners the courage and faith to take the lead in trying to unite the community and turn them around for the better. 
Pick one, two, or all three of those descriptions, and it would apply to David for his commitment to courage, connection, and community. And that's what makes David Miller this week's Honorable Mensch. If you know of someone who is the kind of mensch who should get an honorable mention, send me a note at schmoozewithsuze.org or drop me a line on Instagram. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for sticking around. Make sure to subscribe to Schmooze with Suze on YouTube and follow me on Instagram to get your daily dose of chutzpah. I'm Suze, your well-informed smartass who's not afraid to stand up and speak out. Because what's an envelope if not for pushing? Hey, stay inspired and inspiring.